Hi everyone, you're listening to the Starts of Action podcast. I am your host, Presence, and the podcast is all about interviewing massive action takers, learning from their story, their experience, sharing their tips and tools to inspire you to take action. Today, I have Luke West with me, who is the host of The Imperfect Pod, a podcast that is all about discussing what masculinity and manhood is more intentionally and purposely. Why? Because you saw a lot of confusion among young men about how they were to act, from showing their emotions to interacting on dates to understanding the workforce to how there are many problems in the conversation of masculinity that we need to have honest discussions about them. His goal is to not paint masculinity as toxic or dead, but to understand deeply how we can get better together and learn how to be more than men. We talked about the importance of opening up, being vulnerable and not bottling your emotions up. I also was a bit vulnerable in the podcast and shared a bit of my background and I hope that you guys will learn that you are not alone and if you're going through something, there's definitely someone out there who's going through the same thing. So if you enjoy the podcast, then please share it with your friends and family, give a review on Apple Podcasts and let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action and I'm very grateful today to have Luke West with me, who is also a podcast host of the Imperfect Pod. I love it because, not because it's talking about guys, <laughs> but because it's about helping people just talk about, like have these really deep conversations which I struggled a lot with in the past and then I saw your podcast it's about that and just thought it would be really cool to have a deep conversation with you um, and to know more about your story and where the podcast idea came from. Presence, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, my podcast is called The Imperfect Pod. It's all about discussing masculinity and manhood more intentionally and purposefully. Um, that's kind of my go-to logo or slogan or whatever you want to call it. Um, but how did I get into it? So, you know, I went to university for communication studies. I just graduated April of 2019. So just over a year ago. Congrats. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going into uni this year. So oh, just going well, to uni like a few days ago. It's going to be so. fun. Well, congratulations. It's the it's next step of your journey for sure. But uh, yeah, so I just graduated and in my classrooms, it was all designed around having conversations about things that were going on in the world, whether that's cultural, sociological, sociological, psychological, um, you know, communication wise. And when I graduated, I realized that I wasn't going to be having those conversations anymore. And those are the, always been the conversations that fueled me. I was someone that participated a lot in the classroom. You know, a lot of my courses were 20 to 30 percent um, participation. So I, I had to participate in order to get good grades. Um, so when I left and I realized I wasn't gonna have those conversations anymore, I thought, what is the best forum to kind of create that outlet? So I thought of podcasting and then I thought of what's an important discussion or theme that I think is really important to me. And that was masculinity and manhood. You know, I've, I feel like I've never been the traditional man in, in a lot of the ways of being super athletic, strong. Um, I've always been more emotional, vulnerable, you know, really good at uh, understanding my feelings and being very open about them. And I thought that, you know, a lot of young men and older men struggle with that. And I can be someone who leads those conversations in a very clear way and and it's more of a personal journey for myself, but it's also just, it gives me the opportunity to talk to, to many different people from many different experiences. You know, I've talked to people that have ex grew up in the foster care system. I've talked to uh, porn stars. I've talked to CEOs of, of 
companies that create these types of conversations about politics, masculinity. I've talked to divorced fathers, people that struggle with addiction. Um, it's been a great experience to meet people from many different stories, but that's kind of what I, why I do what I do and why I got into it in the first place. Have you ever struggled with talking about feelings or is it always just natural? Because it's hard to open up sometimes. Yeah, I, I think, well, when I grew up, I was always called sensitive by people. Like, why are you so sensitive? I was always very like emotional as a, a man and not that I cried a lot. I just was, I kind of understood how I was feeling in a lot of moments. And, you know, when I was younger in, in high school, high school was a, a huge struggle for me because it was really hard to relate to people. I found a lot of their conversations, excuse me, to be really shallow. Mm. Um, and I like deep conversations. I like whenever I have a deep conversation, it's one-on-one. -on -one, typically I like going out for meals one-on-one -on -one with people to find out more about their life, what's going on, understand them more as a human. And that's kind of my approach to understanding humans in general, which makes for perfect podcasting because that's, it's all in one-on-one -on -one environments. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, struggling with it, I, I really only struggled with it because, you know, I come from a pretty um, Christian home and how I was feeling wasn't always very um, under the guidance of those rules that happened in religion. And so it was hard for me to kind of open up in that way. But the podcast has actually been great for my relationship with my parents. Um, I'm not afraid to, to share my, my story anymore, parts of me. Um, so it was more about, you know, I wasn't really struggling to share. It was, I was kind of hiding parts of myself with people I love the most. And the podcast has allowed me to open up about that a lot more without judgment, because, you know, if, if I'm not the person leading the conversation, how can I expect my guests to share what's going on in their lives? How do you help someone open up if they kind of struggle to? Like then, like for me, I like my past was that I have alopecia where I don't. I lost all my hair and then had anorexia, and I for my whole life I was I never told anyone about what happened. Like I would always bottle up everything to myself, and it wasn't until I you know started talking about it that I just felt free and started building better better relationships and encourage other people to be more open. So, what would you tell someone who is hiding or bottling up everything and they just don't think they could express their feelings yeah well first of all thank you for sharing that with me um i'm sure that that's not easy to to put out there into the universe all the time is, is those parts of yourself um so you know for one it's you know kind of as i i mentioned is i have to show that i'm willing to share too mm -hmm. and it's really hard to get other people to share if i'm only expecting them to share parts of themselves and me not share anything so there has to be a level of trust that's built up you know i believe in kind of being overly vulnerable so that other people have the freedom to be vulnerable with me um i believe in being weird or goofy so that other people can feel weird and goofy with me and be comfortable doing it um so it's it is really hard but you have to and as much as i kind of don't like the term safe space um you do have to create spaces of safety for people to feel like they can share those things and and i think that a, a huge reason for this is um one would be that when you're in a group of 10 people it's much harder to share than it's one-on-one -on -one. Mm -hmm. and 
one-on-one, I'm not saying I'm taking advantage of this, but I'm, I'm using this space as an opportunity because they're not seeing everyone that's listening. They're not seeing kind of all the audience that's on them. It's just me and them having a honest conversation about what's going on in their life. And then you put that out to the world and they realize, oh, you know, it's a weight off their shoulder. It's something that feels really safe to them. Um, at the same time, I think that when we carry around a lot of those things, it's really shameful. We feel a lot of shame and and you realize that when you talk about them, whether it's recorded or just one-on-one, um, it allows you to move through life with a lot more confidence, knowing that and I will say this 100% is we all struggle with the same things. The more I talk to people, the more I realize that the problems that I go through are not unique to me. They're not unique to the next person. They're, and that's why the topic is so important to so many people is because they're seeing that other people are willing to share their story. Um, and with that, they find freedom. You know, one of the, 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 Best cases of this that I point to a lot of the time is Humans of New York. Is this man who started this photography journey, and he goes around New York and now the world taking photos of people and asking them something that's going on in their life. And sometimes the stories are really, really vulnerable. And it's basically just this one person sharing with a complete stranger who is the photographer. It's not planned. It's, it's all candid. They're sharing with the photographer something in their life that's going on, and they're assuming that no one's going to see it. Like they're really legitimately assuming that this stranger that they're talking to isn't going to be able to help them in any way. Um, but what he's done is create a, a literally a worldwide network. I think they've got 30 million like followers or wow. 60, 60 million likes on, on Facebook. I don't know what the number is. I, I the last checked was a while ago, but it, it just shows you the idea that even if you talk to a stranger about something, it can release a lot of that stress that you put on yourself with these internal beliefs that you have about yourself, whether it's like, you know, I, I post on my my personal Instagram about how I'm overweight and that was not an easy post to do, but it was one that I felt like I had to do. I felt like it was my time to do it. And I own that part of me. And it's all about owning these, these flaws within yourself and you know, what they always say is if you make fun of the the things within yourself or your own insecurities, yeah. it's really hard for someone to make fun of me or you in return. Yeah. Like I don't really get offended by a lot of things because I, I'm aware enough to know that that is probably true about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, I don't, I don't really know why I've been gifted with this potential of, or of sharing myself, but I feel like when I started the podcast, I knew it was a gift I had. I knew it was something that I could do to lead young generations of men or generations of young men to share more about themselves because I was willing to do it. And I've seen that impact in in people's lives that I've talked to. Mm. Do you think there's a difference between like men and women in opening up? Well, I think like the, the common framework is that media and society tells men to stay bottled up, you know, and that's more from men than it is from women. I would say if, like, if you look at sports, um, if you look at a lot of trades, a lot of men heavy industries, the idea of opening up and, and leading with emotion isn't really a, a, a framework that is highly encouraged. Um, you know, there's a lot of young guys who get bullied for being overly emotional or overly soft. They come from, you know, typically the bullies come from households where that kind of narrative is is uplifted. Really, that just damages both the, the, the child who believes that, but also they're now damaging the child who is a bit more emotional. Um, so, you know, I, it's really hard to, to pinpoint exactly what's going on. A lot of people would say toxic masculinity. I would say that there's 
toxic masculinity. Tox- yeah. Yeah. Toxic masculinity. That's a, that's a really hard thing to label because to me, it's just unhealthy ways of living. Like it's not really true to masculinity. It's just this idea of masculinity that, you know, hide your emotions, don't cry, be strong, um, bottle everything up. Only men are, you know, men don't have to help around the house or men are, have to be assert violence and dominance in order to be respected. Those are kind of like the, the frameworks of, of toxic masculinity, very kind of generic blase mm-hmm. definitions of, of what masculinity is. To me, that's not, you know, if, if you believe that that's more cultural than it is your your kind of inner sense of being a man that really isn't anything about your i don't think that has to do with manhood mm-hmm. um you know if you look at incarceration rates it's because men are typically more violent typically more dominant where does that come from is there's so many layers and nuances to unhealthy forms of living of of men that it's hard to break down and i you know that's part of my journey is to figure out where that comes from. As I get more into the journey, I, I try to read a bit more and read studies and cases and watch other videos rather than just focus on one-on-one conversations. I want, I want to educate myself so I can bring more to the podcast. Um, but when it comes to men versus women, I think it's just, you know, I, I wouldn't even know if women are more open. I just think they mm-hmm. respond emotionally to a lot of things. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I'm like, I just mean that they're not open in the sense that they don't always share their Mm -hmm. vulnerabilities either. They just are emotional. Like they're openly emotional and, and men don't share, but also aren't emotional. They don't show a lot in their face. You know, for me, when I get upset or anything, I don't really get mad. I don't show a lot of emotion, but I stop talking. Like I, I, I shut down. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, that's an emotion. Like it's, it's not, a healthy emotion maybe and it's not as expressive i think that women maybe are just more expressive in their emotions than men are mm-hmm. um to me it's pretty easy to see when a guy is upset like it's it's not that difficult mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious when i know that someone is on the brink and i'm not sure if that's more because i understand humans or i'm a, I'm a guy but really mm-hmm. i don't think men are as complex emotionally as with like media or women try to allude to. That's also Mm -hmm. one thing that my podcast tries to show is that, you know, even though we are more stoic or we don't respond more emotionally or uh, like outwardly emotional and we, we kind of keep it in. Like, I don't think women share that much either. Um, or, or it's all kind of overblown how much they actually share their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, but they are emotional and can relieve a lot of that stress. I feel like men are more just emotional internally and you know part of my podcast is to to prove to women that men are having these conversations that they care about these conversations that they're working to be better that they're helping other men become better how women want masculinity to be isn't going to be how masculinity is it's just the same way the same thing to me is that men want feminism to be a certain way or don't want it to be a certain way but it's not our right to to say how women should respond or or how women should act or what they should want in society. Just the same as to me, it's, it's women shouldn't really be able to say what is the healthiest way of, of men to cope with things going on in their life. It should be men helping men and it should be women helping women. And there can be the conversations that take place, but it's really up to men to lead the charge in a lot of what's going on. Because at the end of the day, like we kind of know each other best and, and I wouldn't expect that kind of guidance from, from a woman in my life. 
just the same as I don't think that a woman would expect my guidance on, on how she's feeling. Um, mm. So I, I think there are clear differences, but I, I, I don't, I, I fail to see a one size fits all solution to what's going on. And I fail to see how some of the things that are labeled toxic are toxic. I just think everyone should, as long as they are living the true versions of themselves and are keeping care of their, their mental and like health well-being or, or mental and physical well-being, that should be the most important thing as long as they're not harming others. Like, And whether that's not crying or crying or being fit or not being fit or going to the gym or not going to the gym, doesn't matter. If it, if it works for that guy and he shows love and kindness to people around him and he's not toxic. When you said that you were doing like reading and research into the root cause, what have you like found so far? Yeah, it's it's challenging because I'm only on like the surface level. I'd say mm. you know a, a large portion of of problems are the lack of fathers in a young man's life. Yeah, um, I didn't have a dad. <laughs> oh, you see, no, so yeah. yeah. So so if yeah. I switch it around on you, like, mm. how do you think that's impacted you? Oh, it's it's, it's definitely it's um well kind of relationship wise it's made me want to be single for life because I don't believe that there's good men out there um and it's it's made me more independent it's made me more like I want to do everything my own kind of I feel like I become more masculine myself in a way Mm -hmm. enough um um but I definitely feel like um I don't know I just miss I wish I did have a dad I wish I did have that kind of protection but I didn't have that so I've it's made me stronger I think it's made me become very aware that I, 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 need, I need to protect myself kind of thing I yeah. don't know that's just how I felt like just I don't have the protection in a family so I need to be the one to protect myself and be more masculine and independent kind of mm-hmm. feeling <laughs> and it's interesting enough because so for me what I'm seeing is that right now we're having like a all men are trash um kind of all kill all men like <laughs> i see those kind of videos on on youtube and stuff and mm-hmm. i understand them because uh i know that for a long portion of time fathers have failed their families mm-hmm. and what we're seeing right now in this last i guess year or two five year span of toxic masculinity is the fact that the lack of fathers from um the people our age are upset and they're kind of coming for the men or coming for the fathers and and what we're now, but now we're seeing like people that are my age and about to become fathers are becoming better fathers. And so mm. we're, we're kind of like 20 years, 15 years behind from seeing a real impact on the new age of masculinity because the children that are going to grow up with the new age fathers that are happening right now and, and for the last five years, their kids are going to start influencing only in the next 15 years. And so we're, we're in that kind of weird age right now where there's a lot of anger towards fathers, but I think in 15 mm-hmm. years that will shift back to the, f- the fact that there are, are loving fathers out there. And, and then for you, like the, the idea that you dislike men or can't trust men sucks for <laughs> you. And like that is an awful experience. And that mm-hmm. is because your father, wherever he is, it, like, I'm not sure his story yeah. failed you as, as a father. And yeah. that is a huge reason for one, why I think so many young women are, are upset and mad and and want to be more independent and take more control of their lives is because men have let them down. You know, two, I think uh, it's really important for young daughters to have 
a man who's respectful of their mother to understand how it is and what it's like to treat a woman correctly and, and appropriately and show that love and guidance. I think that role model is very important for me. I have a dad who has done that. He's been in my life all my life. Him and my parents have been married my entire life. Like I also have a he's very comfortable showing his emotions. My mom is very hard working, determined, independent. Um, they've been, yeah, I think they've been together 33 years. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I have both sides. I understand the importance of a mother in my life. And I also understand the importance of a, of, of a father in my life, which I think is important for everyone. Um, but you know, the, 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 the fundamental thing that I've seen in my research is how important either fathers or mentorship, male mentorship is in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound like, I don't want this to sound uh, aggressive, but you know, if, if you don't have a father or if, if a wife or a mother loses her husband, it's very important, I think, to find men in the community, whether it's church or some other aspect who can be a role model, even if it's a teacher, you know, if, if you had a young, if you were a male teacher you know, you, you have to hone in on that as a male mentor and hopefully they don't let you down. Cause I've had male mentors let me down, um, numerous times, but I always think that it's, it's, it's part of a, of a mother's job. If they lose a father or lose a husband, part of a husband's or a father's job, if they lose a wife to find very good people in their communities to help mentor their children, whether it's daughter or son, mm-hmm. because of how, they do have an increased importance and they do get that positive role model of what it's like to be a loving husband or father, even if it's not to their own mother, to someone else in the community. So that's kind of like where I see a lot of the struggles coming from in my research is, is the lack of fathers. And, you know, whether that's, you know, I think right now we're seeing a lot of young women, especially that I'm talking to in the dating world, not have fathers either. And it's, can have a huge impact on that person and how I communicate with them. And, and there's, there's a clear gap there. Um, I've, I, this, it's, it's a topic that I talk a lot about on my podcast with fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've talked to people that have been divorced twice. I've talked to fathers that have three children, um, you know, stay at home fathers, fathers that want to stay at home. They want to spend more time with their kids, how they see being a father as the most important job of their life, being a father to, to sons versus being a father to daughters, how that's very different, how what to show them. Um, and so I think we're, we're going to see that kind of catch up in the next 15 years. But right now it's just a lot of anger. And I understand that anger towards men because of the lack of, of fathers. Mm. So like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know the stats for, I'm just like from hearing stuff like um, divorces are getting just more and more common and stuff. So, I don't know, what do you think helped your parents like stay together for 33 years? And, yeah. <laughs> you know, how? Like, I don't know. I've never, yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> um, well, they, they're, they're Christian. So that has to do with how that's affected their relationship, you know, not really believing um, kind of in divorce in the first place or, um, you know, working through a lot of that doing, I think when they were younger, they did couples therapy, uh, at the start, um, being a part of the church, you know, owning the fact that, you know, one of the things my mom always told me growing up is that she doesn't love my father every day. Like she has to fall in love with my dad every day. And I think that's one concept of, of current day and age that we forget a lot of the time is you 
there's no way that you don't choose to love someone. There's no way. It's impossible. Um, how, how you think you can just fall in love and stay in love. It's a job. It requires a ton of work, probably more work than your full-time career. Um, it takes an everyday choice to choose to love that person. It takes an everyday choice to start hard conversations with that person, to communicate beyond what your struggles are, to understand what your struggles are. Like it is not falling is love. Falling in love is the biggest joke in the world. Like sure, <laughs> you can look at someone and you can begin to love them, but mm-hmm. it's it, you have to do it every day. And it's, you know, one of the things I don't like in the church is that the first person you date is the only person you date. Cause that's just, that's just dumb to me. Like there's this idea that, um, you, you work through love and dating to the point where you become married and this concept that you can't break up with people because every day is a choice to love. I just said it at the same time, two people sometimes just don't work and you should be aware self-awareness of that before marrying or before having a serious relationship where you're living together and, and kids come into it or because that causes a lot of problems. But yeah, I know I think a lot of it has to do with my parents understanding that it isn't easy what they do, that you do have to fall in love every day again. Um, you know, they've never slept apart. There's never been a night where they slept apart. They choose not to go to bed angry at each other. They choose to have that 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 fight or love each other when they go to sleep every night, so they're not falling asleep angry with with extra resentment. But they were just honest with us as as kids that they don't love each other at all times. That they and now they've been together thirty three years. Every day is kind of just like this is this is life. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. It's routine. But they still love mm-hmm. each other, and it's very clear. They've always been huge guidances on that and huge role models in that way. But, you know, I always tell people, you know, I think you you get the question sometimes, what is one thing in this world that you'd get rid of if you could, or, uh, and a lot of people say poverty. Mine is always unhappy families. And Mm, I don't mean that in the sense of like, you can't get divorced. I mean that in every child grows up in an environment where they know they're loved, where they know their parents are happy, where they know that they know they're supported, where they're they're encouraged to grow, because that to me is the fundamental problem that causes everything. It's the root problem that and it and that is generational. You know, do we talk about generational wealth? There's generational love. There's generational everything. Um, and so, to me, that's that I would always get rid of unhappy families if if I could, rather than poverty. Childhood trauma is one of the biggest causes of a lot of problems, which mm-hmm. is why, you know, we t- we talk a lot about in society like daddy issues and and we kind of make light of them sometimes and use them to our like people use them to their advantage to either talk to girls or and guys are guys are notable noticeable for doing this or notable for doing it, and it's unfortunate and but it is something that we as a society have kind of avoided talking about for a really long time and and it's it's a pain that is there and a hundred percent as you said like you you were drawing pictures of of girls crying and and that was your life experience and that has to do with your dad not being around one of the most important things that i've learned i've had this conversation with probably on my podcast i've had 38 episodes at the time of this recording on four of them the topic of topic of rites of passage have come up. A rite of passage is basically just 
your dad in this case or scenario is your dad taking you out at like age six, 11, 16, 18 to, to different things and letting you know that you're a man. And so the idea, or, or not even that you're a man, like at 16, you're a man, but they do these, these little treks or adventures with you throughout your life um, to show that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you're getting the right tools and experiences throughout your life. Um, and I'm a part of a few Facebook men's groups where men do that with their daughters to go over some of the things that are really important in a daughter's life. So the rites of passage apply there too. But it's basically just to signify, and on their 16th or 18th birthday, whatever, which, whichever one it is, their dad tells them that you are a man. Because one of the biggest problems right now is that young men or boys are never taught or told that they're men that they are boys or childish and and we never have that language we never have that certification that we are now men you know if you look at tribes or or a lot of cultural indigenous tribes they have um male cer- ceremonies that's a, that was a huge part of of you know it's a coming of age story almost thing is that at 16 you're taught that you're a man that you are now required to do these things you are no longer living under our roof that doesn't happen anymore it's 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 that language, those stories aren't communicated either because there's no fathers. The fathers don't didn't have that ritual themselves, so they don't pass it on. But studies and and, and my guests have shown that those are really important um, factors of of relationships of um, of parenting because you are communicating what they are and. You know, for you, you said that you really struggled to understand that you were loved. And even though you had the love of your mother, you had probably the love of other people. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the love of your father, or if I don't have the love of my mother, it's really hard to love myself because those are the two people that are supposed to love me the most. And they let me or you down. And therefore, you struggle with self worth. It doesn't matter who loves you if the two people in your life that are supposed to love you the most don't. And that is, it's a huge problem within society and and young people nowadays. Mm, Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree about just, yeah, self-love kind of, yeah. That that got me. That is true. That's so true. So I guess like anyone listening who, I don't know, is also a single parent, then yeah, was the advice to like find some role model that could replace him in a way? Um, yeah, uh, like it, it, you're never going to replace them. Um, you know, for me, I had this conversation with a few men on my podcast too. Is, is whose job is it to reach out? It should never be a child's job to reach out to an older person to be a mentor because they're not at the emotional well-being or or life understanding that that's something that they need. Even though you probably know you need it, or another person knows that they they need that kind of influence in their life. It's not, it shouldn't be your job to go get it. It should be the role of the adult to pursue that relationship. And then there's a lot of problems with pursuing relationships too, because men obviously should not be pursuing relationships kind of whatever way with underage females. So there's a lot of gray area there. The yeah. same could be said for women and young men for grooming purposes. You know, you see it kind of a lot um, that, that conversation that is, it is problematic, I do think there should be places. So like, you know, if I think of one, the church is one that even though I no longer belong to, I don't subscribe to any religion. It was a great place to, to meet 
like good older guys that could role model me from the ages of 23 to like 60 years old that weren't my dad. Um, so I, I think it is important to, to get that mentorship. It's just really hard to find who should be a mentor, the, the gray areas around it. So I, I don't want to offer like specific <laughs> guidance about how to do it, but I do think it is important. And I would, I would say to your guests that maybe do have single parents is ask your parent who they think would be a good role model for you and then make that introduction because then it's not like you're going out and finding your own. It's you asking your, your parent that this is something that you've noticed in your life, that this is a gap that you have in your life and you need it to be filled. And you just hope that your parent is supportive in that and sees where you're coming from. Because obviously, if you're a single parent, you've been probably hurt by, if you're a single father, you've been hurt by women. If you're a single mother, you've been hurt by other men. And you just communicate to them how important it is to learn what trust is from the opposite gender or sex or whatever and and build relationships healthily to to fill those kind of gaps and, and understand that the importance of those relationships. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Is it does it ever get to a point where it's too late? Where like child like kind of childhood experience has already impacted you to the point where you can't really change don't think um change ever stops uh if you you want change you can change you know one of my one of the things my dad always says is uh you know a lot of people say why like don't expect me to change and my dad's always like i expect you to change Mm -hmm. you are a 20 year old person i'm or however old you are i'm just speaking like um like just hypothetically here you're a 15 year old person you're a 20 year old person you're a 30 year old person you're a 45 year old person you're a 70 year old person if you're not changing what the what like what the hell are you doing yeah. like <laughs> like there has to be personal growth in some aspect of who you are otherwise what are you doing on this planet like how are you not trying to grow and improve yourself are you going to be so stuck and arrogant in your ways that you never challenge your own opinions my guest on this past week's episode uh, Lee Everett, episode 38 for anyone listening, he says um, he was taught at a young age not to hold on beliefs so personally or so hard. And that is a huge idea and quote that you have to have is, you know, ideas change, things get proven wrong in science all the time, Who like theories get and concepts get proven wrong. You have to be adaptable and, and growing and you have to figure out for yourself what's going on in your life and, and what your values are, what your what your morals are. If you're not doing that, then you can just kind of stay behind everyone else, I guess. But no, I don't think there's ever a time to change. I think if there's you know more trauma that's going on, speak to a therapist, um, search out ways to to be healthier. You know, for me, I even though I I don't really have a mental health um diagnosis there's no need for me to go to a therapist in the, in the traditional sense of no need i want to go to a, a therapist i want to start going to therapy because they are really good at getting you to learn self-awareness and talk about things that maybe you never realized about yourself and teach you the tools of how to understand yourself better and who wouldn't want that yeah therapy should not be this bad thing if if you're actively trying to to be better i think therapy is a is a great tool it's a great uh, opportunity to to learn and put yourself because they'll ask you hard questions they will that's just the way it works i have friends that go to therapy and 
and when they have real conversations with me, they actually help me because I, there are things I never even thought of, but because they just don't even occur to me because I've never been asked those questions. And mm. I want to learn those pr practices. I want to learn those methods to become a better human. And if therapy is what it requires and therapy is what I'll do. Mm. Yeah. Um, a question that I ask every guest is, well, kind of relates, kind of doesn't Liz. Um, what does your next best version of yourself look like? And how do you plan to take action to get there? The next best version of myself. I don't even know. I, I think the next, well, actually I do know. Like, There's a lot of things I want in my life. There's a lot of goals that I have. Um, for me, I really struggle with daily discipline. Um, you know, I, I have a, a whiteboard out of things that I'm supposed to do every day to make myself better. I don't do it more than half the time. Um, you know, I distract myself one way or another to get out of it. I want to become a great podcaster. I want to become more physically in shape because as I, as I talked about earlier, I, I'm overweight. I struggle with my body image. Um, there's certain things in my life that I want to achieve and I don't take the necessary actions to do it on a daily basis, but that's, I'm aware of it. And now I put in place systems that I can do it, or I try to put in place systems that I can do it, whether it's working out for 30 minutes a day or even 15 minutes a day, just to feel better reading 15 to 20, 20 minutes a day, um, practicing gratitude, journaling, meditating, reading one blog, blog article about podcasting and how to become a better podcaster every day. Um, I think these are the steps that it takes to, you know, be better. And that is kind of the next best version of myself is, is giving myself discipline, but also giving myself the freedom to fail. I think those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, not trying to put pressure on myself at all times to, to succeed because it's, it's stressful. I, I, that is the most stressful part of me is that I blame myself and I put myself in a cycle of, of self-doubt or negative talk where I'm like, I didn't do this today, therefore I suck. And it's more about, well, tomorrow I have control over my day. Let me do it and I'll feel better. Um, so I think that's that's kind of the next best step or next best version of me is is to to practice and, and learn discipline a lot better. Yeah, it is hard. <laughs> I think lockdown has just got my health and workouts routine just out of the window. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like body image, how like how are you dealing with it now in terms of how is it going now? If you yeah. Um it's it's hard because actually through COVID I've I've gained even more weight and it's it's you know I'm not I used to be walking to work every day or you know at kind of getting a little bit more physical exercise. I stay in my room basically eight hours a day doing work or eight and a half hours of it day during work hours. I don't go outside. After work, I spend a lot of my time podcasting and doing podcast stuff. And um, you know, I've started to play more basketball or pick up basketball or pick up sports with my friends. Um, I'm trying to get into the system of working out in my backyard. Uh, I don't really have the tools and, and stuff required for it, but even if it's just free weight or, or, you know, just body weight exercises like push-ups and up downs or whatever you call the, all these exercises, um, it's just kind of like understanding the daily steps I need to take to, to become better and kind of just, the discipline aspect too is I eat a lot of junk food and trying to cut out junk food from my life, eat a more natural, uh, healthy diet that I, that that's something I struggle with too. And so I feel like if I can, it's not really about my body weight. It's knowing that I can 
I'm in control and I don't treat my body healthily enough. And if I start doing those steps, doing discipline, then I will become healthier. What do you think stopped you from you know, taking action during COVID in terms of like working out and stuff? So at the beginning of COVID, it was really hard for me from a mental standpoint because I am someone that likes to, to talk to people. Uh, I was going out with friends like four nights a week after work. Now I'm seeing almost no one and I'm locked up in my room. Um, you know, I have my, my pod of eight or whatever friends that we're allowed to have in, in, in my province in Canada. But what has been the hardest part, I guess, is uh, I don't like to lift weights. I like to be more active through pickup sports. So I've, I've started to do that again. Um, but more of it was the mental approach at beginning of COVID. It was really hard for me to, to stay home all the time. Fitness was like the least of my concerns or least of my worries. I wasn't focused on it at all. I was having, I was really struggling from a mental health perspective, or I guess from like a loneliness perspective. Um, and so then I didn't have the tools and resources to do it. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to working out. I didn't have that personal trainer. I didn't have an accountability partner. Um, those are challenges that I also face as well as those are kind of the, some, some of the things I need to start when it comes to things I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, fitness for me has never been something I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It, I just, I hate it. I'd rather sit on the couch and watch TV or, or I'd rather do podcasting. It's not something that's important to me, but my, my eating habits have made it very important to me now or, or, you know, crucial to me now that I have to start taking action on that because, you know, my knee hurts or sometimes already. And it's like, I'm 23 years old and I sometimes have knee pains and I'm pretty sure it's because I'm not in shape or as, as in high quality shape as I want to be. And I don't want to live 60 more years of that life. So I have to put into action. My body's telling me that it, it can't do it for that much longer. And you know, I, I, there's things I want to enjoy being thin. I think there's a lot more fashion that's out there for thin people. And I like that kind of fashion. Um, so a lot of, like, I don't want to do it for shallow reasons, but some mm-hmm. of the reasons I've never just, I've never enjoyed working out. And that's always been a huge struggle in the journey is, is finding a way that to do that I enjoy. Mm. Is there anything you haven't tried yet that you think you would might enjoy? There are many things I have not tried for sure. Um, most things I would say in, in terms of fitness, I really like swimming. Like I love swimming. Um, I, I know that's a great way to to burn calories and it's one that you don't get sweaty. So that's mm-hmm. nice. That, those are two great things that I love. I love swimming and I hate getting sweaty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good solution for it. But at the same time, it's, I always kind of forget about it as an option. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing I enjoy is is boxing. I think that if I had a punching bag, you know, it's a great, you know, for men out there, it's a great way to overcome anger too. It's it's one of the healthiest ways. Um, if you have a, if a boxing bag, is to release negative energy in yourself. Actually, is is through that, and that could be um, fitness at the gym and raising dumbbells and stuff too. Like that's a great opportunity. Um, so it's more like yoga would be something that is cool like stretching is is surprisingly much more hard and and good for getting you in shape than i thought um so there's lots of things i haven't tried there's a few things that i enjoy it's just i don't have an accountability partner i don't have the tools um to to do it every day but those are just excuses that i'm making up in my head 
that I could mm-hmm. easily go out in my backyard and do right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be an accountability partner if you ever need one. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm same. I need to just get back into a routine. So I'm happy to report, do regular reports <laughs> if you ever need an accountability partner. But um, yeah, I'm aware of time. So um, the last question that I usually ask is, um, what challenge would you set yourself and guests to take action on? It can be anything. What challenge would I set? For myself and them I think one and I struggle with this every day is is self-awareness um what does that mean to you it's it's different and and I I mean this in like the the realest most unprofessional way ever I guess like because I'm not a professional so what causes a lot of stress and anxiety in our lives is the things that we don't confront to ourselves that we know are there what I think is a huge detriment to either our anxiety or mental health is things that we keep bottled up inside and we don't release to the world, things that are really stressful to us, as I kind of talked about um, at the beginning, uh, is to release those negative energies within ourselves. And so my mom always said, uh, who you are at home is who you really are. I would take that step further is who you are alone is who you really are. Um and there's things that I do that no one knows about that I'm ashamed about in in some sense of of shame and what that means to me. And I know that. And those are things that I keep in the dark. And those are things that you are not proud of because there's the, the idea that we're going to be proud of everything that we do in our lives is uh, a fallacy that we need to to get over. The idea that we can get through life alone is also another fallacy that uh, we need to get over the, I just want people to understand that if you're going through something, there's someone out there going through the same thing. If not half the world's going through the same thing, but no one is, is out there admitting it. And so if you can practice self-awareness to the point where you're, you're comfortable admitting things to yourself, you'll be more able, you'll build up a resilience to that and be able to then share it with other people and release some of that freedom. And, it, and it's something that it takes a long time. You know, for me, I share quite a few of those things in my podcast, but there's others that I'm not yet ready to share about myself. So self-awareness, understanding that who you are alone is is who you really are. And, and there's a lot of darkness there. And if you run into those dark, dark, you have to run into the darkness is, is basically kind of how I'm going to summarize it. Mm. And you have to be able to understand that the only way to, to, to let out that darkness is to open up the door and let people in. Uh, I think that's the best way I can put it. And it's something that I struggle with and it's something that everyone struggles with, but it's something that we really need to do in order to create healthy generations of people. Yeah. I love that. I really like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Yeah. It's a very, very great reflective talk. Thanks presence. Thank you. Thank you for very much for having me. I know, uh, you said you liked uh, deep conversation. So I hope this was deep um, <laughs> and uh, beyond the small talk. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, it's not often that I get to share my story. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Um, how can people find you if they want to know more about what you do? Yes, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
uh, any other streaming service where podcasts are available at the imperfect pod. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the imperfect pod. I, I post a lot of quotes, shareables there um, where you can find some, some of my episode content. Um, leave a subscribe and follow if, or leave a follow on that Instagram page. If you'd like, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Luke West. I like to have these kind of conversations with, with people over the Instagram, excuse me, chat. Um, or anywhere that uh, you can contact me. So these aren't just these aren't just uh, discussions I want to have on my podcast. They're discussions I want to have with normal people or everyday people, which is basically what my podcast is, anyways. But um, yeah, if you, if, if there's anything in this in this podcast episode stuck out to you, feel free to to follow me, listen to my podcast, uh, or message me. I'm I'm happy to take any of your um, any of your questions or have a conversation with anyone. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Again, please share it with your friends and family and review it on Apple Podcasts to help this baby grow. Connect with us and remember, if you ever need to say anything, just tell someone. Don't suffer alone. And yeah, until next time, guys. 